Hey, folks, welcome to Free Press Sports with Carl's and Sean. Where, uh, where are we? Levi's Stadium in Santa Clara, California, where the Lions season ended tonight, 34-31 in the NFC title game. Sort of a, a cr- uh, not sort of at all, it's a crushing loss. They were up by 17 in the first half. Couldn't make the play when they needed in the second half. Uh, a loss so painful that we needed another Free Press reporter Right. Well, she's our our therapist. Yeah, she's so, a uh, counselor, therapist, and hopefully, hopefully, your therapist. She spent uh, most of the game out among the fans or Alliance fans all over the place. And we wanted to get uh, we wanted to get Dana Fana's thoughts, the city hall reporter of the Free Press, who's been out here how long? A couple of a couple of days. I want to say she was in at both playoff games back and forth. So she got a feel for this, right, Carl? So, I, but before we get to Donna, I want to ask Carlos his quick thoughts on what happened tonight. Yeah, um, it was it, it was probably the I, I wrote that it was the worst meltdown in Lions history when you're up 24 seven at halftime. Of course you did. Everything is going their way. And I think that Dana, a fan here is going to um, back me up in some of the reactions she got <laughs> basically being, I think, shoot away from some fans. It was such an emotional, devastating loss. Worse than the Justin Tucker kick, worse than the 10 second runoff in, against Atlanta, you know, worse again, worse than the, you know, why Sean, because it was so much promise. Everybody, I mean, I, I guarantee you, I kind of made a joke that if this, you know, if this keeps up, whatever on halftime, the Delta app's going to crash because everybody's going to be making their uh, uh, flights to Las Vegas for the Super Bowl. So, there was so much hope, so much. Every, they couldn't do anything wrong in the first half, and then they couldn't do anything right in the second half. And I think that's always the worst way to lose, right? Is when you have like victory snatched away from you, and you felt it was right there. So I want, I want Dana's thoughts on what did the fans say, and 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 also take us from the first half because you were out the first half and then out after the game. Sort of take us through that swing. Oh, yeah. I've been talking to people since breakfast at the hotel all the way through the end of the game. And people were excited. Everyone believed that we were going to win all weekend. They believed this since the Rams playoff. And everybody out there just they said this is so magical. It's so monumental for Detroit. And regardless of what happens, they still believe in the Lions. But when it came to the end of the game, (laughs) someone, you know, I was talking to a gentleman who was upset. He was about to talk to me and his wife shooed me away. She actually looked at me and said, you can go away now. <laughs> so oh. decided to leave, give her her space. Uh, but, you know, some other folks clearly disappointed. They said, you know, this isn't the end. We still have hope. Um, there is a future. But you, you spent uh, time talking to people that went to fairly great efforts, right? To, to get to find their way out here and all sorts of man, you know, the fans coming, Detroit fans coming from all over the world. I mean, now, most of them, I'm sure, were from Michigan, but the, and that, that's kind of an amazing story and an amazing buildup. And Carl, so you're talking about this is the worst loss. It's the worst loss because because of what was at stake. Absolutely, that that's the thing, right? You know, it's and when so much is taken, I'm sure you could feel that. You could probably feel the anxiety in the second half in particular. Oh yeah, I mean, there are fans who spent about ten grand just to be here. They spent, I'd say, it's a total of like tickets, hotels, um, and you know, tickets from previous games as well. Other people spent not 10 grand, but still a sizable amount of money to be here. Uh, they took time off work. They have to go back to work tomorrow. And yeah, I mean, it really is kind of a meltdown for fans. They were excited. They were doing really well and they thought this was their year and, and true Lions fashion. It just didn't happen. Well, let me ask you a question. I mean, you're not a sports writer, so you can be a little bit more subjective here. Sure. You grew up in the, in the Metro, Metro Detroit area. Are, are, are you a fan of the Lions? Were you a fan of the Lions before or were you sort of indifferent? 
I was indifferent, actually. I didn't really start watching football until a couple years ago. I'm more of a soccer fan myself. Um, so the other football, uh, <laughs> the one that matters. <laughs> but, you know, I I got into it. And um, I think it's the fan culture that really stood out to me so much. There's a reason why I'm here. There's a reason why the Free Press Sun is here, because Lions fans are just different from every other fan uh, out here in the country. And I think, um, you know, there's something so special about them. They have this connectedness they have this really strong belief in their team and no matter what happens even after decades of losses they're still here they're spending money they're you know they're out here because you know they're honoring their father who might have died and got them into the team or they're here to make memories for their kids it's you know it's kind of like a family dynamic and that's really what was going on out here right carlos i mean the, the, the passion the generations the way things have been passed down and and, and you're absolutely right the, there's no other i mean maybe there are other fan bases that are that are like it but in terms of the fan the lions fan base the lions team in the city the way these folks are that it's tied into how detroit sees itself it is right now and how detroit detroiters feel the rest of the country thinks of them and it's been tied into this football team that's had so much hard luck and tough luck and bad losses and you know general managers didn't know all this sort of thing and and so to have the year they had i think there was a lot of pride not just in the team but in the, how it reflected back on our home 100%. And I think, you know, the word grit is kind of being overused right now, but grit has existed in Detroit for so long from not just a line standpoint, but like the business standpoint, Detroit's growth in general. I mean, I've covered the city's growth over the years, and that is what essentially describes anybody from Detroit, uh, whether you're a sports fan, whether you're investing in the city, whatever it may be. Whether you're a soccer fan. Whether you're a soccer fan. <laughs> um, we do have a soccer team too, but, uh, you know, it's, it, it's definitely, it's special. It's special for the fans. And, um, I think this unfortunately wasn't their moment, but you know, a lot of them did say there's always next year. I talked to a 17 year old boy who was crying, leaving the stadium and he probably had the most positive response saying, you know, it stings, but there's always tomorrow and they got this far and they're doing really well now. Uh, so you have to remember that about the Lions. Well, that's a nice perspective for a 17 year old. I don't know if I had that perspective. You may have. You, you've always been ahead of your years. Well, thanks for joining us, Dan. It's uh, it's nice to have you offer some perspective on just what it was like here. And the, the again, the fact that the Free Press say you and a colleague out to sort of document all this. Uh, I don't know. So it was a love fest, wasn't it? It was a love affair, manifest destiny, whatever you want to call it heading out west all right we're going to take a quick break uh and we'll be back to talk a little bit more about the game and garlson can tell us how they're never going to get back here again is that what you're saying no that was <laughs> oh look carlson is going to be optimistic uh, optimist i want to hear all about it we'll be right back with more free press sports with carlson sean Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlson and Sean. I can't believe, I, you know what? We're still going to do our podcast. We're just not going to have any of these after post game podcasts anymore. We're not going to have any. We'll have some line centric podcasts, you know, the draft and yeah. trades, and you know who's going to replace you Red Wings. Now. Your beloved Ben Johnson. Yeah. By the way, and I, they're, they're, I have a family member. 
Okay, fine. It's my youngest son. There's a theory that the reason the Lions lost tonight, Carlos, let's, let's hear what you think of this, is that the last time the Lions lost was in Dallas. The Pistons won. They broke their streak, whatever. That was the first time they won in 30-whatever games, 20-whatever games. I can't remember. And the Pistons actually won earlier today. Mm-hmm. Do you think that they are related? No. No. That they won on the same day that the game – that it's a, some kind of mystical conspiracy – no, but let's get to football, Sean. Let's not waste time. The people want to hear. This is the bad phone over here where I try to call Dan Campbell and tell him not to go to, to, to kick the field goal on fourth down. He wouldn't listen to me. So let's talk about that. What was the why? What happened? How did this go from world beaters to just abject failure? Like it was like a lance, like an avalanche coming down in the second half. What happened? It was a series of um, mistakes, and I wrote this. None of them the game killer on their own, but there were just too many of them in a row, one after the other. I got. We can start with the field goals. I don't want to. I mean, to me, that's a cheap, easy thing to do. I'm not saying that's you. I'm just saying the math said he should have gone for it. But forget the math. Their kicker's not that good. He's an outdoor. It's on turf. It's 48 yards. Why is there an assumption that he's going to make it? Right. When you don't kick it, there's always an assumption yeah. that they would have made oh, it. Oh, look. And it, if they miss it, why did you go for it? You've been aggressive all year. Now you, he was out of character. You can't win. No, you can't. If that was a 34-year-old, 34-yard field goal, absolutely he would have kicked it. He would have kicked it because yeah. the number was said he would have kicked it. Right? It was fourth and two. It wasn't a perfect pass to Josh Reynolds from Jared Goff, but it was catchable, and Reynolds didn't do it. Here's here's the thing. If they if he catches that, they could very – I mean, who knows? You never know, but we're, we're assuming now. But they could have easily scored a touchdown there, answered San Francisco's field goal, and they're right back up 17. That might have been the game. The, the San Francisco might not, unless Detroit collapsed with turnovers. I know they had a fumble later, but it's just so they had to drop past Carlos, and then they uh, and then San Francisco scores and they come right back. Jameer Gibbs fumbles and they score again. All of a sudden, it's a tie game, and then they move again or they go. They they excuse me. They don't move it. They punt it. And what happens then with Jack Fox? What happened with Jack Fox? You, you saw what happened to Jack Fox. He kicked, I mean, a 100-yard field goal. I mean, I'm excuse me, punt. I'm exaggerating. It was just a yeah. glorious spiral into the dark San Francisco night. And, uh, excuse me, Santa Clara night. And it, it hit like the two or three-yard line and, or maybe five-yard line and bounced a tiny bit forward, but mostly straight up. And they can pin him there. Now, maybe San Francisco, again, you know, maybe they get out anyway. Yeah. But so that's another mistake, though, right? And then Josh Reynolds drops another ball. Jared Goff has Sam Laporta for at least a 20-yard gain. And the ball he throws a week ago against Tampa where he hits Amon Ross St. Brown in the end zone over his shoulder. Gorgeous, gorgeous ball. He can't quite make to Laporta, mm-hmm. right? And, just, he, and he had a couple of misses. And, you know, he's he's had games where he's had a couple of misses, but he always, not always, but most of the times he comes back and makes the throw he needs to make. Yeah. And he couldn't quite do that either. So it was a, it was a collective thing. They they weren't as effective running the ball. Yeah. It was it, it was everything. They couldn't. Melifon uh, uh, had a sack opportunity. He whiffed on it. On a, was that a third down? I can't remember. It was the third down. It, it was enough to would have changed the uh, changed the series. I think the, the 49ers scored on that. But so to me, that's what happened. It was just one after another after another. Yeah, it was, and and you know, it was both sides of the ball, right, defensively. And it, you know, give the 49ers credit. Okay, they're the top seed in the NFC for a reason, and they made adjustments. And suddenly they were running the ball better. They were um, you know making passes. George Kittle had one target in the first half and not no catches, and he made a big 
league, I think it was a third down catch. Um, so, you know, that's what good teams do is they make adjust, adjustments. And the Lions just had some things kind of go against them. And they just, you know, defensively, the, the 49ers also made some adjustments as well. They brought more pressure on Jared Goff. Um, I don't think they blitzed quite as much, but they just they were they were just, I guess, figuring out maybe how to get to him, how to bend around the corners more. At one point, I think it was, I don't know if this is the first half, but uh, Nick Bosa just, you know, trucks Dan Skipper, just runs over him like he's a little kid and sacks Goff. And, you know, they were, they were learning what they needed to do, you know, um, so they were becoming more effective and you can't, you know, they always say, you know, well, hey, that, that team gets paid too. They're doing their job and they're a really good team and they're playing at home. So, you know, I think, I think the first half of it was a little bit, um, it, 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 things worked out for the Lions in so many ways. You know, Jake Moody misses a field goal, you know, little things like that. So it was, it wasn't, um, the Lions were playing great, but the 49ers maybe just had a slower start, whatever. They struggled last week against the Packers. They almost lost to them. So maybe this isn't a, you know, world class 49ers team, but they're certainly good enough to make adjustments and obviously come back. And, you know, it's a three point game. It was. And Brock Purdy throws the pick. He just kind of a, a, just threw a, a sack of potatoes is flying through the air. And, you know, that Malcolm Rodriguez caught. And that was. It was tipped. That was. It, it was. It was. But that, so you get a little bit. You, you're right. It was tipped. So you get a little bit of a break. And what did Purdy do in the second half? He. Not only did he pick up some first downs on his feet, and he, you know they lost the lines, lost contain. It was a couple times up the middle. It wasn't really out of the. Well, maybe one time I was on the edge, but he also made some really nice throws on the run. You were talking about the plastic kittle, if I'm not mistaken. He was out of the pocket when he made yes. that pass, mm-hmm. and there were a few others where he just. I mean, Purdy's been maybe not quite an MVP candidate. He's been great. For most of this year, right? He's really good. I think one thing with Purdy that was different was I don't think he, you know, what they're kind of learning about these, these, these not quite RPO, but mobile quarterbacks is don't run unless you have to. And I think in the first half, they really wanted to run the ball, establish the run with Christian McCaffrey, you know, get it going. They have a really good fullback. Um, so they were trying to like, Establish that, and they really couldn't. They were struggling to do that. And I think in the second half, one of the things they said, "Okay, look, we're down seventeen. We got to just do whatever we can." And that means if you're, if you see some daylight in the pocket, run. You know, and I think don't forget a few years ago, I think it was against uh, I think it was against the Rams um, one year when he got a concussion, I think it was, um, and he was knocked out. So you know, you want to protect your quarterback, but when you're down by this much, and it's win or go home and he started scrambling a lot more and started using his legs a lot more and we didn't see that in the first half so that changed a little bit of, of the game plan not only for the 49ers but also for the Lions defense and as we know they've struggled with more mobile quarterbacks guys like Lamar and guys like uh, Jalen Hurts so that's a weakness and I don't think I think the 49ers just didn't want to have to do that and they did in the second half and it paid off huge for them because not only does he make plays with his arms but he gets out of the pocket you know he's you know making plays down the field that way so it, it, it did change the game no for sure well to me a couple of the, the big plays where look you're going to lose contain sometimes no team's ever going to keep a guy like right I mean he's not going to run around like Lamar Jackson but he's going to get out he's he's good at that and he's really good at making throws on the run in fact uh, I think that was the, getting him moving to throw I think was one of the adjustments at the, at the first half where the Lions are going to kick themselves with a couple times they got hands on him. Melvin will even mention, I think Hutchinson had a chance at one point. There were a couple times where it was collapsing and they, they, they got hands and he just shed 
he shed tackles. That's good, right? I mean, he just he just he just made plays. You know, Dan Campbell was talking about after the game that they uh, as one of the things that was so crushing for them and him is that they have made the play for the most part. They knew Dan Campbell talked about that, and I wrote about this. Dan Tempo Campbell talked about this last week. That hey, at some point in the game, it's going to look like chaos, and it's look like it's all going against us, and it's going to look really, really bad. And then, how are we going to find our way through that? Because they have not quite at Dallas, but for the most part, they've done that a lot this year. And he kept kind of waiting for them to make the play, right? And they just couldn't do it, right? Yeah, I think he stole Newt Rockney's speech, probably the halftime speech when the when the race against you boys, when the you know all that stuff. But it's true, yeah. I mean, but don't forget the Lions were doing the same thing to the 49ers in the first half when Jameson Williams, the guy, has his shirt and trying to drag him down, and he gets through and he scores. And Jameer Gibbs, when he seems dead to rights, and you know jukes a guy and he cuts inside and scores. You know, and they were the 49ers defense. They were frustrated um, in the first half because they were like, we had these guys dead to rights we should have made the tackle i mean these guys are elite <laughs> skill players uh brock Purdy, you know he's gotten this far because of that elusiveness that's really helped him he doesn't have an elite arm um and he's not a big guy and he got some passes tipped and everything and knocked down but he can move and that's the thing that the lions and a lot of teams do struggle with. it's not just the lions so give him a lot of credit for that and you know even though they were close whatever i don't to me to me the the frustration of you know as i watch when i watch football the thing is the easy tackle the tackle you should make there was one on, i'm not going to single out cam sutton necessarily but just on one i think he threw to um i think it was Ayuk, and a little out and he runs at him and just kind of grabs him but totally almost whiffs and then uh, he goes for whatever 10 15 yards whatever it is that's the thing like you have them you, you should have them it's still an open field tackle but you should have them but when it's when it's more of the you know um i'm grab a shirt or whatever but you're an elite guy who can move around and evade it you know I, i'm not gonna that's not that's not a bad play i mean those guys are gonna slip you know tackles here and there no for sure look it's the second youngest or third youngest team in the league you can say experience doesn't matter to a degree but it but it kind of does and dan campbell talked again after the game about as hard as it is they're they they learned a lot they they learn you know you you, you can make a mistake but you can't then make three more over the next three series and the, and everybody did what happened on you know how much he loves to talk about three phases well they made mistakes in all three phases a special teams mistake defensively they made a couple of mistakes right and um whiffing on sacks and so forth maybe not being in the right gaps on the on the rush and then offensively they made a bunch of them in the second half right you know i i thought uh one of the big plays well first let me just go back to the late in the second quarter i know what you thought we didn't really talk much at halftime when they didn't get into the end zone and make it 28 to 7 and after what first and goal or whatever it was they had a couple of shots there was enough time they had a couple of shots when they couldn't get in I remember thinking to myself, you know, those four points, because they had so much momentum and you just, you want to see them kind of stomp on them right there. And I know they got the field goal, but I remember thinking those four points might be big in the second half. And it, it just felt like one of those moments because you're on the road against a really good team. Uh, you know, I, I didn't mind them going for getting getting some points. Yeah. I mean, I think when you when you get some, uh, uh, you know, on that drive, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, it was kind of a sustained drive. And, you know, you you need to 
you can't just keep going for it. If you, if you go keep going for it and you don't get it and you get stuffed, that's a whole, whole nother sort of dimension. Oh, no, no, no. I didn't mean go for it. I was fine with them kicking the field goal. I'm just saying as a team, you're talking about making the play. You know, kind of, they had a chance. If they'd made that play and they gotten in the end zone, that might change things too. And I know it's just four points, but it's just, you know, they 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 had the uh, what the fourth down, the the second fourth down. They were down what three or four at that point. I can't remember. San Francisco taking the lead, and they moved the ball right, and and had a chance. I don't know if they would have held on to win or not, but just there was another chance they could have made the play. They just. For whatever reason, do you believe it could make the play? Do you believe anything had to do with the the stage, the moment? What was at stake? Do you buy into any of that no, pressure? No, I think Campbell talked about it after they played plenty of big games, you know, primetime games this season. I don't think it was that they weren't ready for this, for the pressure. Um, I just think that they've run in, they ran into a really good team. You know, I mean, I predicted them to lose by a few points. Um, and pe- people just want to, you know, look, you know, look, I'm not a Lions fan. Okay. If you're watching this, you're a Lions fan. I'm totally dispassionate about this. I don't care who wins or loses. I really don't care. I'm not a fan. You have to understand that. And when I look at these teams, I look at them as objectively as I can. When I look at the 49ers and what they've done, how they're constructed, how they run their offense, being at home. I grew up in California. The 49ers were an elite team for a long time in the 90s. You know, they won several Super Bowls. This is their third straight NFC. You know, that that all matters. Okay. If this, if the 40, just flip it. If the 49ers were the Lions and this is the third straight time in the NFC title game, who do you think would you favor to win? And I know Free Press and a lot of people like, they liked the story, the, story. the Cinderella thing and whatever and all this and whatever. They're fairy tales for a reason, you know, and you don't just do it just because everything feels good and it's a good story and whatever, you know, th- that's a formidable opponent out there, you know, and it's like, you can kick this field goal. You can go for it here. You can go, you know, it, it it's thing, football games and the NFL is designed to come down to close games. They want parity. They want close games, all that stuff. And this is, a, this is actually a, a damn good game. It was, it was one sided at first. And then the 49ers came back and we weren't sure what was going to happen, but it was well played. There weren't a lot of mistakes, you know? So I think it was the Lions put up a worthy effort, but I think they're going to learn something from this. No, they'll learn a ton. I, I, I would humbly disagree. There were a fair amount of mistakes on the Lions in the second, but they just weren't, they didn't seem like game changing mistakes on their own. Headed mistakes. No, they weren't that. They're just you, the, the, a lapse in focus on the special teams, not whatever. There's small things you're not thinking, you don't, oh my God, that's going to cost them the game. They just add, except for maybe the fumble. And it's just bad luck to some degree, right? Sometimes sometimes you just fumble, but you know, right? But the Lions got a, an interception in the first half, so right. and, and they turn that into seven points. So in some ways that, that evens it out. All right, uh, we're going to talk later in the week, I'm sure, about next year, the division, all that kind of stuff. We'll get into all that. But just just departing thought about, um, about this year, what they accomplished, uh, where the culture is, and do you believe? I guess, and again, we'll get, we'll, we'll delve into this more. But do you believe in the front office and the and the and the coach? Because that, that too, I'm gonna, I think, look into that more for my second call. Because that's what it comes down to: you either believe in Dean Campbell and Brad Holmes, or you don't, and you just think this is kind of a one-off where everything went right. You know, and and then that's what we're gonna find out. Yeah, I think that I do believe in them. I don't think it's a one-off. I don't know. And, and Campbell said this himself too. Like you never know how, when you're going to get back here. And part of that is a good message to the team because you just assume that you know, oh, we're a good team, and they are. But it's hard to get back here. Things 
may not break your way all the time. The opponent, whatever it might be, uh, an injury to a key player, you don't know. I mean, Alex Anzalone, you talked about it was a different team, but he was like, it took five years to get back here to this game because he went with the Saints. Um, but I do believe in them. I do believe that there's that there's sustainability in what they're doing, the way they've built the team, the kind of players they're getting. Uh, Dan Campbell is the key to a lot. You know, Brad Holmes is a big key, but I think Dan huge. Campbell is the huge key, though, to me, the bigger key is Dan Campbell. But also a very big key is what's going to happen with Ben Johnson. We don't know. Um, we're going to find out how much he's responsible for a lot of this offensive wizardry and, and production. But I think they will. I think they're going to still, you know, who knows if they're going to win another, you know, NFC North title next year or whatever. But I think they're going to be. Uh, there's a lot of hope. I would expect them in the next couple of years to be, you know, for sure contending for an NFC North title and having a chance to to make some noise in the playoffs. So do you think that they're going to, I mean, you think they're going to come back here anytime soon, the NFC title game? I mean, you got to get a break to get the NFC title game a little bit. You know, San Francisco got one. Green Bay had their chances last week, right? You could say that the Lions got a break at the end of the Rams game. Yeah. Now, you can do with the non-call and the pass interference on uh, Nakua, but you could also say, well, okay, any point, you know, their missed calls or whatever, or a fumble, bad break, whatever. And that's true. It, you know, a, a play in the second quarter that is a tough break, it, it matters as much. And and if you're just thinking about mathematics of it all, so but the point is, you, you were talking about this earlier. Yeah, they're close, tight games, and you you need a little bit of fortune. You got to put yourself in. You you got to be good to put yourself in the position to catch a break, yeah. to catch the right break. Absolutely. Unless you are <laughs> Kansas City, you have Patrick Mahomes, right? right and right. and I mean that. But that's different. That's like when Michael Jordan was running around the NBA, keeping all those other great teams yeah. from getting championships. Sometimes you see that it's a you know, Tom Brady did the same thing when, in, in New England. So, yeah. we'll see. Uh, that would have been a, that would have been fun to think about and talk about. And uh, you would have gotten to go to Las Vegas. But uh wasn't quite meant to be. I'm with you. I, I think this is the beginning of something. I'm not saying they're going to be back next year. But uh, I would think they'd be competitive for a while. they got a lot of talented young players. they got a really good offensive line. They've got part of a defensive line that's promising. You know, they got places they're going to fill in. And we'll see. They need a field goal kicker. I think it'll ease up on some of the fourth and uh, – Fourth, fourth down decisions, mm -hmm. right? I mean, if they had Jason Hansen, he didn't go for it on fourth and two. You know what I mean? Jason Hansen, right now, I don't know. No, probably not. Yeah, probably right. But even even Matt Pr Pr even Prater, Matt Prater. Yeah, I think he, I think he lets Prater kick that forty-eight yard oh, field goal. Yeah. No, I mean that's and, that, and that's what we're really talking about. So, <laughs> all right. Well, Carl's has got to go. Right, I'm looking forward to his uh, his wisdom in the pages tomorrow. We'll be back together later in the week, and we'll take uh, probably a, 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 a we'll take more of a look ahead. Yeah, and uh, and those sort of. things. Things. Then we'll get back to your hockey at some point. Yeah, sounds good. Because the Wings are playing pretty pretty good hockey right now. So at least there's that. All right. It was a fun, great season. Uh, well, I'm acting like we're not going to see each other again. I guess we're just not going to be in stadiums together yeah. for a while. Yeah. And it's kind of sad. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go weep a little bit when we when we have this up. All right. Thanks for watching. Thanks for joining us for free, with Free Press Sports with Carlson and Sean. We will uh, talk to you later this week. Mm -hmm.